is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 547, recorded Thursday, September 16th, 2021. Indeed it is. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. It is a little bit later than usual, almost an hour past our normal recording time. Not that that affects anybody out there listening, but it does affect us. It's all my fault. I didn't get home in time today to do this, so thank you for your patience, Jason, and for uh, continuing to show up and wait for me. Well, I've made you wait in the past. Once so in a while, I'm, not not that often. Well, this never happens either, so it's fine. It Don't happens. worry. Okay. It's all good. It's not like I'm going to bed anytime soon, so that's fine. <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, uh, we're good to go, and you'll just we'll finish this, and you'll probably continue playing video games later, anyways, right? I'm not touching video games until after work tomorrow. I've sworn them off for uh, the uh, the entire week. Uh, tomorrow, uh, and yeah, I'm not touching. I'm not touching anything. All right. Taking a break. Well, then then get a good night's sleep tonight so you can play video games like 48 hours straight over the weekend. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but great idea. <laughs> All right. Glad I can help. All right. Well, it is Thursday night, so that means we are going to call. I mean, we are going to play and read <laughs> your feedback. We're not going to call anybody. Why not, really? I mean, we should call somebody, right? I mean, someday maybe we'll do another one of those call-in shows. I don't know, but it's not today. No, no. We just, just dial a number. Let's talk to somebody. <laughs> All right. Well, start picking off numbers then. Come on, let's go. <laughs> zero, 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 one. Ooh. The first phone number. I wonder who owns that. <laughs> Nobody. I don't think you can get there. I don't think so. All righty. Well, it's feedback night. Uh, but first, I wanted to report on the ratings from the last two episodes. Uh, episode number three, called Hunted, got 1.87 million viewers. And this episode, number four, called Rendition, got 1.88. <laughs> so well, very close, but slightly higher. Slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. That's uh, both of those are lower than the first two episodes, but uh, rendition is a tiny bit higher than hunted. And as I've said before, I'm pretty sure it seems very clear at this point that this is about the level that the the numbers are going to stay at for most of this season. Maybe do you want to make a prediction? Like, do you think? As it wraps up, as we get into like episode 23, 24 to like finish it off once and for all, suddenly the the numbers will go way up again. Not a chance. No? You don't think so? I don't think so at all. People got better things to do or other things to do at least. Uh, there's there's lots of shows out there. I don't think people are going to go, oh, I wonder that show's going to end. I better uh, pick it up again. It's more of a that show's going to end. Eh, I'll grab it someday. Yeah, I guess. I'll get caught up and I'll watch the whole thing and binge watch it when it's uh, when it's all said and done. Yeah, there's certainly no urgency, right? So you're probably right. People will catch up someday, if at all. It's 2020. Uh, people are just going to rely on uh, stuff uh, remaining in the cloud for in, in, in perpetuity. That's... And I know it's 2021, but it feels like it's been a long fucking year. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, month 19 of 2020 or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, this year ain't ending yet. Not yet. Might end this year, maybe. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not looking good, though. 
No, it's not. All right. Well, that's that's the numbers for the last two episodes. We will keep reporting on those as the season goes on to see what happens. But right now, let's move on into the feedback for Season 11, Episode 4, Rendition. Listener feedback. All right. First off, we're going to start with a call from Aaron. And I lied because this call is about Episode 3, not Episode 4. Uh, but I want to play it anyways, so after this, we'll get into the episode four feedback. But here you go, here's Aaron. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Aaron from Sydney, Australia. I just wanted to quickly add my two cents worth about episode three. Now, you both seemed a bit confused as to why Magna was telling Carol to stop getting Kelly's hopes up. I think that Carol and Kelly must be looking for signs of Connie when out on their food-gathering trips and keep coming back empty-handed. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the great work, guys. All right. Thank you, Aaron. I think that's exactly what's going on. It's just I'm not sure that was totally clear in the episode because it felt like we had the conversation between Magna and Carol, uh, but we didn't really have too much between um, Magna and Kelly, right? So yeah, I wasn't sure. I don't think it was totally clear, although... I think it's pretty safe to assume that, yeah, they're sort of looking for Connie and not finding her. And that's what Magna perceives as keeping their hopes up, which I can't argue is probably a good thing. Like, you got to have hope, right? But I guess, uh, I guess not so yeah, much. Yeah, hope, hope breeds eternal, but, you know, false hope is, uh, is not a good thing. So it's, uh, it's really a crapshoot as to whether or not people should have hope. It is i guess <laughs> in terms of the show though like we as the audience know that connie's alive so it it's sort of takes the drama out of it a little bit since we already know and that we're supposed to be you know invested in these characters and their feelings and stuff like that but we know she's alive and we have to assume she's coming back so i think it does take a little bit of the bite out of this storyline in the show in a way um, so I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I think they should just get to it and get Connie back and, and move on because, uh, A, it's not working so well in the show, and B, I love Connie, and I want her back on the show. Yeah, we know Heath is still alive, too. He ain't coming back. Oh, my God. I bet you he makes an appearance in uh, this season. I don't know. There was that uh, that key card with the PPP on it or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Remember that? What the hell is that all about? That's mm-hmm. a That's a dangling plot line if I ever saw one. It's it's a thread that was never pulled, that's for sure. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if little things like that are addressed in season 11 before the end of it. No, not a chance. There's no way. Uh, There's no way they're bringing Heath back. That'd be too confusing. They'd have to have a whole episode on, who's that guy again? Oh, he was gone? Okay, what did he do? And yeah, it would, uh, there's too much. There's too much time has passed and too much. Uh, nobody's mentioned him in a very long time. I do see your point. I mean, I'd have trouble even right now telling you who left on the show even knew Heath. I mean, clearly it Carol would have, I guess. But, you know, off the top of my head, I can't really think of a scene between the two of them. But there probably was something. Maybe Maggie. Uh you know, but there's not a lot of characters left that would know him. Daryl, some of the old timers, right? Dr. Denise, she would, she knew who he was. <laughs> I mean, sure, she took a crossbow bolt to the eye. Yeah. But what are you going to do? That doesn't. That was surprising. It was. Doesn't really help, uh, doesn't really help with the Heath problem, though, since she's not around. Do you remember who fired that crossbow? 
Yeah, it was, uh, what's his eyebrows with the burnt face? That's right, it was Dwight. Dwight, that's it, thank you. God, Dwight, a character that we kind of like now, you know, but boy, back at the time, goddamn Dwight. <laughs> I'm never going to forgive him for that. Well, There's no way. Yeah. I guess, that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. All right, next we have an email from Heather in New England. I was just thinking about the title of the episode, rendition. I couldn't figure out how it relates to what was going on in the story, so I looked it up. Definition number two was one that I had not heard before. The practice of sending a foreign criminal or terrorist suspect uh, covertly to be interrogated in a country with less rigorous regulations for the humane treatment of prisoners. Is the covert foreigner Daryl? Was it previously Maggie? Curious to hear your thoughts on this. So is that a definition of the word that you were familiar with? It is absolutely not. Yeah. And I looked it up and all the definitions agree. And I found the actual definition from the Oxford English Dictionary where uh, Heather found it. And uh, no, I had did not know this uh, version of the word. No, me either. And I had similar questions in my head about what rendition meant with, rela- you know, relating to this episode. And obviously th- it's this one. Um, now, Daryl wasn't sent to the Reapers to be interrogated. Um, But he is being interrogated by them and he is a foreign, I mean, criminal terrorist suspect, not really. (laughs) But, you know, if if it's going to be anything, it's definitely something related to this definition of the word. But how about that? You learn something new every day. Uh, Yeah, hopefully. Um, So this is, I think this episode is only loosely tied to this previously unknown definition of the word. I'm not sure. uh, Basically, most of what I learned comes from movies and TV. And I don't recall this being used in movies and TV until now. Yep. And therefore, it is known from this point forward. There you go. Well, then you did learn something new, but uh, it's it's interesting. It it is a definition that I hadn't heard before. Um, And you're right. It's a bit loose, for sure. Uh, But... Also, you know, pretty, uh, pretty terrible thing to think where as a country, if you capture someone or, you know, take someone into custody and you want information from them, but your country has good, strict, anti-torture rules and regulations, so you can't do it at home. So you send it to your like friend country where they have less strict regulations for them to do it, like. That seems like something that you wouldn't want to be doing as in a, in a civilized society. Yeah. Well, there's the, you know, the legal thing to do and then there's the moral thing to do. Yeah. We didn't, I didn't torture him. I was just there in the room and asked questions. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, I didn't torture him. No, there was no torturing. <laughs> well, there was torturing, but I didn't torture him. It wasn't here. <laughs> I just I just asked questions while he was being tortured, but it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Yeah. My hands are clean. Clean. No blood on them. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Heather, for pointing that out. Interesting stuff. Moving right along, we've got a call from Dave. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Dave from Cleveland. Longtime listener since season two and second time caller. Holy crap, did you see how clean Daryl's hair was after getting waterboarded? I think that might have been his first shower in the apocalypse, or at least the first shower since the CDC in season one. I don't remember if he took a shower, but that might have been his last one. 
Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dave. So clean Daryl, Jason, is not something we see very often on this show. Uh, I, guess, uh, I guess that's one of the advantages of being waterboarded is that uh, you get a shower. Free shower? Free shower. Uh, I'm not, not sure I'm going to agree that it's worth it, but yes, you do get- Well, I'm not saying it's worth it. I'm just saying it's one of the positive aspects. All right. Fair enough. You right. do- You got to look for the silver lining of every gray cloud, Chris. All right. Well, silver lining of waterboarding is you take a bath. Um, th th this is funny because this is always something I've, I've kind of wondered about with Daryl and with Norman Reedus. A lot of the ladies are really into this dude. A yeah. lot. You know, I've been to many conventions. I've spoken to a lot of people and he draws one of the biggest crowds. Uh, and there are a lot of people who really dig the Norman Reedus. I personally don't really see it, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, to each their own, I suppose. But he does come yeah. off as a little greasy, I, I think. But maybe, you know, maybe some people are into that. Well, maybe some people are into that, but uh, I think generally on TV, you don't have to smell a character uh, on how dirty they are. I mean, nobody has to smell Daryl. Uh, none point. of us have to smell Daryl. And when Norman Reedus, he's probably fine, right? He showers and stuff, and he, when he goes to conventions, everything's fine and well. If Daryl showed up at the convention the way Daryl is, uh, I don't know, maybe the ladies would uh, change their mind or whoever, the fellas or whoever's into uh, Norman Reedus might change their mind and turn their noses up at uh, stinky old Daryl who's been <laughs> waiting in a swamp and collecting ears and has a bandolier of dead squirrels and right. such. Right, even though he hasn't had those things in a long time. But yes, yes, maybe well, they Well, I was just thinking if that's the last time he showered, he's had those things uh, since then. Well, wow. not the bandolier squirrels. That was before the CDC. But the uh, the ears, that was Herschel's farm. So uh, maybe he didn't have a shower since then. Right. That's a long he's time. He's been caught in the rain. Yeah, he's been caught right? in the rain. He's walked through rivers and things like that. So he's encountered water before, beyond just drinking it. But yeah. uh, I've always thought he was a bit of a rough looking guy. But again, I think a lot of people are into that, you know, Could to, be. to each their own. Could be. You know, my personal philosophy is I take a shower once a month, whether I need it or not. It's a perfect philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm already, I've already forgot what's going on. Is it you now? <laughs> it's me. All right. Uh, we have an email from Matt in South Wales. Matt writes, no, <laughs> not another end of level, no, end of level baddie and his henchmen to overcome. However, will our intrepid adventurers survive? Seriously. I didn't quite rage quit, having invested 10 years of my life in watching The Walking Dead, but I almost, I'm tired of this shit, quit. Yet another psychotic nutter to deal with. Can't we all just get along? I understand there needs to be an enemy to focus on, but maybe they could use the actual undead as the main threat for the first time in a long time. I just want to say, Matt, that Jason inserted the shit. Matt, not, not his words, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm tired of this shit. He didn't write shit. He wrote quit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Either way. Oh. Just don't want to put words in Matt's mouth, you know? Sorry, Matt. Yeah, that uh, my brain completely inserted that into there. I just assumed. Yeah, no worries. Uh, yes, and this is not the only email or communication we got kind of on this topic, and there will be more coming up in a minute. But um, yes, another group of henchmen to uh, a group of you know, another baddie with a group of henchmen to overcome. 
What about Matt's point at the end there of using the actual undead as the main threat on this show in a long time? I'm not sure at this point that's even possible anymore. Well, they tried that with the uh, the whisperers, right? They, uh, you know, the whisperers were the threat, but they used the zombies as a weapon, and they were a threat at that point. But even then, nah, they have tactics. They have, uh, uh, you know, what do they call them? Places to go where there's walls. What are they called? Freeholds, <laughs> heaps, whatever they have. Uh, yes. Uh, they have uh, uh, they have ways of dealing with the pack of mindless uh, hordes, uh, whereas you know a pack of mindful crazy soldiers, uh, they don't really have a decent way to deal with them other than Daryl and maybe Negan. Yeah, I mean the problem is uh, well one of the themes of the show from the beginning, right, is that the that living people and the humans the left are way more dangerous than zombies. Uh, that's been the case for a long time. I get what you're saying, Matt, but I have a hard time thinking of a way to make the undead like a a real um, threat anymore, right? The people are very good at killing them. Uh, You'd need so many of them, which I guess is a thing. You could have like a giant herd of zombies come through, but again, we've kind of seen that before anyways, right? Um, so they just keep throwing these kind of villains at us to cause tension and stakes and have, make them the big threat at this point though. Yeah. It's starting to feel a little bit repetitive with this same kind of thing happening over and over again to our people. I guess you could say in this case, they've layered on the whole starving level to it all. So not only do they not have walls around Alexandria, uh, they have this group of reapers after them. I mean, in a way after them, like until Maggie showed up, I don't think the reapers even knew they were there. Uh, and to top it all off, um, you know, there's undead walking around. So they're just trying to amp it all up, I guess. Yeah. The, the zombies are just a backdrop to the, all the shit that goes on in this show. At this point, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, along these lines, John in Boston, Massachusetts writes, The Reapers are just so damn unnecessary. After Woodbury and the Wolves and the Saviors and the Whisperers, tossing another outside threat at us in this final season just seems like filler. I would be much more content watching Alexandria being rebuilt than watching Daryl get captured again, tortured again, see someone thrown into a fire by a megalomaniac again, My favorite Walking Dead seasons remain two and early three, when the major threats to the group were one another, finding food, clean water, and the zombies. Outside threats are a necessary storytelling device for sure, but to have the Reapers follow so soon on the heels of the Whisperers just feels like space-saving while the Commonwealth is developed. So yeah. Pretty much uh, a little bit repetitive. And, you know, John says straight up that way back then, season two and three, the group, you know, they were still looking for food. They were looking for clean water. And the zombies were were around anyways. So they yep. kind of still got all those problems. Uh, and now we have the Reapers to deal with as well, which are just like the wolves, just like, you know, uh, Woodbury and the governor and all those other groups. So. Yeah, all of them. It's all it. It's it is getting a, a little samey. 
I, that's why I was hoping that the whole thing, this whole thing would involve Maggie as a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. I still, you know, I don't have as high a hope as I did initially, seeing as though we've only got, what, two episodes left in this half season? Uh, court, third season? Third one? Whatever, well, this not, section of episodes. Well, not two. We we're only talking about four, and there's eight, so there's four to go still. Okay, fine. Maybe, uh, you know, last episode on Monday, we were talking about how fast this uh, seemed to be going. Oh, Maybe right. my brain just went, oh, another episode. Maybe my brain's just skipping ahead. Uh, editing things. That's the, my problem with my brain today. It keeps editing things. Now it's inserting episodes and it's adding the word shit. And uh, it's just a bit odd. But yes, I agree that they're a bit samey. And there was a chance here to shake things up and to make things really interesting. And I don't think that they, uh, they're they going to do it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think everything is going to be pretty uh, transparent and uh, above board. I don't think there's going to be any kind of gutches. Yeah, I it's it's weird too because we have the Commonwealth kind of sitting here, and there's a lot of questions about the Commonwealth, which we are going to get into soon on the show. Um, but it 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 feels like there's plenty of story to be told there because it it feels a little bit different than other groups that we've encountered, right? It feels like it's bigger. It feels like there's more organization to it. Um, There's soldiers, there's people with jobs like, you know, the people who are interrogating people as they're, or at least questioning them as they're coming, being brought into the community. So it feels like there's a lot going on there. Yet here we are facing or uh, focusing on the Reapers and what they're doing and kind of feeling like it's samey from what we've seen before. And as I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, well, this season is eight extra episodes. Is it just going to be eight extra episodes so we can deal with the Reapers? Because I feel like I maybe could have traded that, only done 16 and focused on the Commonwealth and wrapping up the story instead. Uh, I think that's a little bit extreme and harsh maybe on my part because I haven't seen how it all plays out yet, but that's how I'm feeling right now. We'll have to see what happens over the next few yeah, maybe they'll deal with the Reapers next episode and then they'll be done with it. The whole point was to get Leah back into the fold. Uh, yeah, get Leah back into the fold or get Maggie and Dar- um, Maggie and Negan by themselves, right? The Reapers are the people who killed off all of Maggie's people. Yeah. They had to introduce this whole group just to play that out. <laughs> Feels yeah. like there might have been an easier way to do that too, but hey, you know, I don't know. I've... I've been reading a, a bit about stoicism over the last few days, and uh, this is this is one of the things you st- stop. Look, stoicism has includes now. Forgive me if uh, I'm butchering this because I've only started looking at this, but the uh, one of the one of the tenets of stoicism is that instead of thinking thinking of things happening to you, things are happening for you. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe the reapers have come in uh, for a purpose instead of happening to our. Uh, our intrepid heroes. Okay. Well, if there is a purpose, uh, we are, have yet to find out what it is and I hope it's worth it. I don't think <sighs> my hope is at this point that we don't find out their purpose. They don't have a purpose, uh, which makes me think of the jerk and his special purpose. Uh, <laughs> go watch the jerk. <laughs> if you want to know what that reference is, it's a great movie. One of my favorite movies. But I don't know what their purpose is, but maybe they don't have a purpose and they'll be dealt with next episode and be done with. Like maybe Leah and Daryl just be like, yeah, that guy crazy. And then stab him in the head 
and move on. And everybody else just kind of scatters and uh, then they move on with their lives. Well, I'd be surprised if it happens that quickly and simply, but you never know. It could happen. Yeah, it, it could, of course, but I don't know. There's, there's going to be some bigger reason for the Reapers to be here. Or if there's not, it's just going to take longer to play out. I'm not sure. Eh, maybe they have a nuclear submarine. Oh, maybe. Yeah, We can just right. do that again. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> no. Or a hot air balloon or a plane or something. Yeah, no, you're thinking of the wrong show. No, we can have stuff that happens in that show happen in this show. Just can bring we? it all in. You know, bring it in. If we're going to do stuff over and over again, let's uh, let's bring it all in. Okay. <laughs> let's not do that for the record. Okay. Next, we have an email from Michael in Ozark, Missouri. Holy crap. I bet that stunk while Pope held Bossy into the fire, in the fire. This has really become a cruel world from our group leaving Gage to die while they all stood there and watched, uh, watched him get eaten. Then Carol cutting the throat of the horse. Cruel, cruel world. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been pretty nasty. It has. People are not very nice to each other. Um, so I guess that's, that's the way the apocalypse is going to be when it inevitably comes. Yeah, you're going to get held in a fire. You're going to have to slit the ho- uh, throat of a horse. You're going to have to watch people get uh, to get eaten. You're going to have to heat up a hot iron and press it against somebody's face so that they can shoot a doctor in the eye with a crossbow. Uh, it's cruel. It's cruel, get ready. cruel, cruel. Get ready for the cruel world. Uh, this call comes from Jordan on a similar topic. Hi, Chris and Jason. I've written in in the past as Jordan in Japan, and now I'm calling in for the first time as Jordan in Pennsylvania. I want to talk about how on The Walking Dead, I've gotten tired with how almost every time our characters encounter a group or a person, those people are antagonistic toward our characters. With the Reapers, if Maggie's telling the truth, the Reapers attacked Maggie's group unprovoked. Now they're also attacking the Alexandrians and they tortured Daryl. With the Commonwealth, Eugene made an arrangement to meet the Commonwealth people, and yet as soon as our characters show up, the first things the Commonwealth people do are beat them up, throw them in prison, and then treat them as harshly and intimidatingly as possible through the interview process. Now, if the Commonwealth is trying to either welcome them into their community or establish a relationship with them, That seems like a pretty poor way to start. Then on The Walking Dead, we have all these continuing instances of unnecessary cruelty. Like this past episode, Pope murdered his own man, even though the episode showed us that the Reapers view each other as family. A couple episodes ago, we had Maggie's story of the person who cut people's limbs off. And near the end of last season, there was the encounter with the Terminator in the cabin. Like Jason said a couple weeks ago, I can see how people would be violent toward each other as they're fighting for survival at the beginning of the apocalypse. But 10 years in, people know how to survive. Most of them are in their own communities or groups, and there's just not that reason for it anymore. Anyone who's still alive at this point must be pretty hardened, so why attack someone who might kill you? I get that the show needs drama, but there's plenty of room for drama in this universe without the constant stream of brutal villains. And at this point, I don't find it dramatic or exciting anymore. I just find it annoying. Like, 
Well, here we go again. It's The Walking Dead, so I guess everyone needs to be killing each other. So that's how I feel about it. What do you guys think? I mean, I think we've talked about it, and I, yeah. I would agree. Like, it's 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 one-upmanship amongst the show itself. You know, well, we did this, and now we have to outdo ourselves. And then we do that, and we have to outdo ourselves again, you know? And I think, actually, this has backfired for the show in a way, um, since uh, the Negan introduction, right? Like nothing has ever come close to being as upsetting for the fans as that was. Yeah. Right. And 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 I don't think it would be possible for the show to outdo themselves or one up themselves uh, when it comes to that level of violence and cruelty. And 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 a big part of it is because it was against really popular characters people loved you know if if pope gets his head bashed in we're not going to care so much uh nope. but because it was glenn and abraham people did but at the same time it set that precedent and the and the show is just trying to outdo itself which it'll never really do becomes repetitive and becomes a little bit boring having said all that it sounds like we're really taking a dump on things here i still enjoy watching this show a lot and I still enjoy talking about it and I still have a good time with it, but I can see some of these problems with this method of storytelling that has gone on this long, um, that are more evident now than they ever were before. Right. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with me that, uh, <laughs> people would generally be more cooperative uh, after this, this long. And I agree with you agreeing with me, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> there's a series of videos that I watched around, um, you know, taking, uh, taking a look at social interaction and modeling it and seeing what happens in these models when you run it for, you know, running a thousand times. And one of them is cooperation versus competition and whether that's better. And it looks at individuals versus family units versus, uh, uh, small collectives, uh, you know, whether, sacrificing yourself to save somebody else so that they can move on uh, and live uh, actually benefits everybody in the long run. And even if, even though it does seem like it's uh, not uh, personally beneficial, which it probably isn't uh, just from a, from a societal point of view, from a a survival point of view, uh, it makes more sense to cooperate than it does to compete. Uh, So, and this is how, you know, a lot of animals evolve and a lot of, uh, you know, humanity has evolved to cooperate. We're a cooperative kind of people. I'm sure we're a bunch of assholes that do shit for personal reasons because we're a bunch of assholes. But in general, for survival, there has to be a level of cooperation. And these people are in the zombie apocalypse and they know that humanity is fucked and the only way to move on as a species is to survive and the best way to survive is invariably cooperate. Mm-hmm. So I'm having that as uh, uh, I'm having, I'm having a problem with that, with this show and you know, the one upmanship, uh, you know, taking it to, uh, you got a bad guy, so we got to make it a worse bad guy. So we got to make it a worse bad guy and we can't have it a worse bad guy. So we have to have nukes, which is what the other show did. Uh, and then how do you up that? Right. How do you, uh, go up from a nuclear weapon going off. It's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. 24 had that problem. In season two, they set off a nuke. 
It's like, what the hell are you going to do now? <laughs> where do you go from here? Where do you, yeah, where do you go? So they found a way. But uh, I don't even know exactly what my point is. Uh, it, And I agree with you, Chris, that it seems like we're dumping all over the show at the moment. But hopefully there's a plan. We're spending our effort in this show right now. We're spending our attention. Hopefully it's going to pay off in uh, in many, many dividends. Yes, I, I fully agree with that. And I expect in a lot of ways that it will. I, I'm, I am expecting a, a solid, good <laughs> ending to this show. There's still lots of episodes left. There's lots of things that could happen. There's lots of characters out there. There's plenty going on. And yeah, I'm just going to say right now, like I have faith and I'm expecting a good ending from these writers and everybody involved in making this show. And if they let me down, that's going to really suck. But at this point, uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's unfair to expect a great ending to The Walking Dead. It's been a long time. Show has some problems. But like I said a minute ago, I still love it. Uh, and I think they can, I think they can nail it. And I sure hope they do. Um, I, I have hopes. Very good. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, it's probably a bigger conversation about um, about the success of a society and cooperation versus conflict and, and stuff like that. You know, there's all kinds of uh, evidence isn't, isn't the right word, but, you know, a healthy society, for example, benefits everybody when healthcare is available equal to everyone. Like we're, we're all healthier, therefore healthier in many ways as a, as a society, rather than we're all competing for, for that kind of things, because inevitably certain people get left behind. Uh, you know, and there's, there's all kinds of examples of that. And, uh, you know, I, a while back I was speaking to a friend of mine who we talked about having on the podcast, which I think we might still do at some point. We just never got around to it, but he, he was saying that, you know, he was asking the question, if the apocalypse was real, would people immediately all become assholes and become hostile to each other in the way that is depicted on this show and plenty of other apocalyptic shows and movies. And, and, and he was thinking about it and wanted to talk about it. And it's kind of coming up now that we're seeing this new group yep. of villain, right? Group of villains in a, in a much more in your face way. So, you know, maybe during the, the hiatus or, or when it's all said and done, we'll have him on. Cause he's a, pretty smart well-educated guy with a master's degree so probably has something interesting to say <laughs> yeah it could be so but that's that is that is for another time all we can do now is uh talk about what's in front of us and hope the endings is good <laughs> yeah so speaking about what's uh, in front of us we have a call from reese that's correct awesome hi chris and jason it's reese here just ringing in to say long time listener been a long time since i've called <laughs> I hope you miss me. Uh, all joking aside, though, you guys are amazing, and listening to the podcast has got me through a lot. So I really, really enjoy this show. You guys are the best at what you do. Um, what I was ringing in to say, though, is about Sean Connery treading on that guy in the fire. I mean, that was pretty uh, extreme. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I've got to say, it was definitely my sort of like what the flippity flip moment of the uh, of the show. Watching someone get cooked like a chicken is not not always good. Anyway, stay awesome, guys, and I will try and become a bit more of a regular caller in. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Reese. Speaking of cruelty, he called uh, Pope Sean Connery. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and Jesus, Reese, I hope you don't cook chickens like, like that. Uh, well, you'd cook them pretty quick. <laughs> well, you just take, you know, get a chicken, just throw, hold it down in the fire for a while. That seems like a, uh, there's better ways to cook chicken, I bet. I, I think there probably are, yeah. You know, eating burnt feathers. That would smell bad too. Yeah, I agree that, uh, you know, bossy would be uh, quite smelly. Oh, the smell of burnt hair just is so awful. It's so bad. So gross. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Reese, for that. Next up is Nathan in Sydney, Australia. Nathan writes, can't help but feel it's a little too late in the show to be introducing a new group of baddies. I'm not sure what they will bring to the table that we haven't seen before. That being said, I think they did a great job with the casting of Pope. And for some reason, I love his little beanie. <laughs> I wish I cared more about Leah and her storyline, but I feel like she hasn't had enough screen time for me to become invested just yet. So yeah, same, same point. Uh, but if we move on to uh, Leah a little bit, what do you think, Jason? What's your prediction here? Is she going to stick around on the show for a while, or is she only going to be involved in this Reaper's plotline, which I'm kind of assuming will go away after the first eight episodes? Um, you know, or and that'll be it for her. Staying or going, Leah? Uh, I think she's going to die, and I'll show my work. Okay. Uh, so I think that she can't stick stick around on the show, and I think primarily it's because of Dog. Uh, you know what we like about Dog is that we have Daryl and Dog. We, it's you know Daryl has Dog and Dog has Daryl, and that's a great duo mm -hmm. of Daryl and Dog duoism. Uh, but Leah, her name doesn't even start with the letter D. Oh my God, so, you're right. So we can't have Dog's loyalties being divided between Leah and Daryl. So. Uh, it's not really a, it's not really a love triangle, but it's sort of a love triangle, not in a, you know, a platonic love triangle, let's say. Uh, interspecial mostly. love triangle, yes. Yeah, interspecial. I mean, you know, Leah and Daryl are of the same species, so, you know, have at it, but leave the dog out of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just, the, the dog can be the Eugene in this relationship. Okay, this got weird. So let's just say that I don't think that with dogs' loyalties being divided, that there can be both Daryl and Leah in the show at the same time, unless dog goes with Leah and then we lose dog. And that's, uh, you know, Daryl doesn't have dog or Leah anymore and it's a double whammy. That would be a double whammy. I don't want Daryl to lose dog. As you said, I love the duality of Daryl and dog. <laughs> yeah. So Leah's got to go. Okay, so Leah's got to go. So, man, I I don't want her to die, but I guess if I had to take my pick, if one of them has to die, it's going to be Leah, I suppose. And, and Daryl's a tragic character too, right? So, uh, you know, finding love is not really in the cards for Daryl, I don't think. You, especially since we're going to have a spinoff show with him moving on to another show. We can't have him find love. And because him finding love, he would have to fade off into the sunset uh, with Leah and Dog. Uh, but since there's a spinoff show, there's no way that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, and you're so, right. Since he's such a tragic character, I think that Leah has to die. It has to be final. Okay. So that's it. She'll be off the show by episode eight. Uh... Maybe a little longer. Okay. She might stick around a while, but 
Uh, I think the uh, uh, I think the Reapers will be off the show by episode eight. Got it. They'll be gone. Leah might stick around, but then eventually, at some point, she'll be gone. And Nathan was saying, you know, have she hasn't had enough screen time to become invested in her yet? I mean, if she does die, maybe, <laughs> maybe just as we are becoming invested in her as a character or a love interest, a proper love interest for Daryl, which she is. But if they act on it, that's when she will be yeah. mowed down. Yeah, as soon as she gets her hero moment, she'll die. There you go. All right, next we have a call from Anwen. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Anwen here. Uh, this episode wasn't my favorite. Um, I couldn't really take Pope seriously. I did really get such a Mandarin vibe off him. It was kind of made me laugh, and I just kept thinking he was going to um, break into Trevor. The acting was good and he portrayed crazy really well but it was just a bit much for me and I also just thought we've seen this before it's another it's another crazed leader of a cult type thing and you know southern accent but bald it was sort of like oh no he's a religious male alpha anyway um the stuff with Leah I just yeah, I just, I don't know what's going on there, but I don't trust her. I don't think Daryl should trust her. I don't know if there's going to be any kind of flipping over to the other side. She's just been entrenched in that organisation for probably 20 years, um, and I don't think there's going to be any shift. I think Pope would be crazy to try and actually trust Daryl, although he is crazy, but there's no way Daryl's going to um, flip into their team either. Um, and just one other little point, um, since Carver is my name, um, why are the Carvers in TV shows and movies always bad guys? Every single time. Like, I challenge someone to try and find a Carver that's good. They're in cop shows and all kinds of movies and TV shows, the Carver is always the bad dude. And we're not bad. Come on, guys. Anyway, keep up the good work. See ya. Thanks, Anwen. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's a carver. Anwen is a carver, and uh, I'm comfortable saying that because she said it first. Yeah. Uh, but there's a carver on this show now, one of the Reapers. It's bad. As I mentioned last week, There's there was a character named Carver in the Walking Dead video game who was a really bad dude, and uh, that's her last name. So um, I don't know what it is. It's I think I think it's just a it's one of those names that screams bad guy. Yeah, and I agree with you, uh, and when I don't think it's a bad thing at all. When I think of the word carver, I think of, you know, carving a tur- turkey, a roast turkey, or carving a roast. And this is these are all good things to me. I love the idea of having, uh, you know, carved food. Uh, you know, butcher, you know, Jimmy Butcher sounds like a bad guy, but carver, <laughs> I, I, I don't see it. I don't get it at all. Yeah, one who carves. The Everyone loves the person who carves the turkey at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whenever you eat a turkey. Or even a piece of wood. You could carve a piece of wood. Oh, That's more of good. a whittler than a carver. I don't know. It depends on what you do. Carver seems like a, you know, you carve a, uh, a stump into a dragon, for example. Ooh. Uh, but you carve a stick into a fish or you whittle a stick into a fish. <laughs> so it's a matter of scale, right? I guess so. Maybe. If, you're, if it's bigger, it's carving. If it's smaller, it's whittling. Yeah. And if it's meat, it's butchering. No, well, that's raw meat. Carving meat is cooked meat. Okay, right? fair enough. Interesting you that don't... we have a word. The word is different for if you're chopping up raw meat than if you're chopping up cooked meat. Yeah, because it, it it's better. 
It's like uh, beef versus cow, right? right? You don't you don't eat cow, you eat beef, but you slaughter cows. <laughs> cows are still pretty cool. <laughs> Instead to to eat beef. Uh so yeah, you carve you carve cooked meat, but you you butcher uh raw meat. There you go. Carver. All right. And when she who carves. Uh, okay. Is it my turn? Yeah. It, this sure. one comes from Paul in England. Paul says, if you recall, Daryl originally met Leah while he was out searching for Rick's body and she tried to persuade him to leave both the search and his past behind since he had already left the communities at the time to settle down with her. But Daryl being Daryl, he refused to give up. So when he said he was, quote, afraid of letting go in this episode, that is what I think he was talking about, that he was afraid of letting go of his past relationship with Rick, etc. Oh, that makes more sense. I, I think that does make some sense too. Yeah, that, uh, I, I like that. He was, he had this mission at the time and he wasn't ready to let go and give up on his mission. Uh, yeah. it's, it's fairly <laughs> sort of literal, if you know what I mean, but... I didn't really think of it last week and it does make sense. Thank you, Paul, for that. Yeah. I superimposed my own psychological bullshit on top of Daryl, uh, in order to explain his words, but uh, this makes much more sense and I should <laughs> just keep my shit to myself. No, no, not at all. I mean, the, the nice thing about art and TV shows are, our art is that once it's out there in the world, the viewer of the art brings their experience to their interpretation of that art. And that's exactly yep. what you did, right? Yeah, I I love that concept. I hate where I first heard it. Where uh, did you hear it? Let me guess. Let uh, me guess. Let me guess. Was it Orson okay. Scott Card? It was. It was a, in a forward written by Orson Scott Card, I and I thought it was one now. of the most brilliant fucking things that I had ever read. Uh, and then I found out who that Jack has is, and uh, it ruined it. Ruined it. Ruined a big portion of my life because of Ender's Game and the whole. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Moving on. Well, well, listen, put it this way. He, he may have turned out to be a, a giant dick, but what he said is not incorrect in that case. That, that, you bring the, that you bring your own interpretation to a piece of art, and that interpretation is colored by your ex life experiences, basically. Yeah, and now my interpretation of that wonderful concept is fucking colored by my experience with knowing who that shithead was. Okay, is. fair enough. That's too bad. It is. All right, moving on. Next, we have an email from Jen in California. I still feel so confused about Leah's true loyalties after the fire escape. Leah told Daryl at the start to follow her lead, and she helped point out the crowbar to him. At, that, at the point she, that she's on the floor coughing, I couldn't tell if the writers were purposefully inserting a damsel in distress trope, which is hard to believe consider she, considering she's a soldier, or if, uh, or if it was clearly a setup and she was in on it. But the look on her face when Leah got out uh, looked to me like a look of genuine betrayal by the group, but then she calmly walks to join them. I just don't get it. I'm still waiting for Connie and Daryl uh, reunion, so I hope Leah ends up sacrificing herself uh, to end the Reapers and Daryl. Uh, Connie, oh, sorry, end the Reapers, and Daryl, Connie, and Dog get to ride off into the sunset. Yeah, that's what I want. Daryl, Connie, and Dog riding off into the sunset, and Leah, well, if she's going to die, sacrificing herself to to end the Reapers, that would be fine. She sort of comes around. Um, but I'm, 
with you, Jen, I think her motive, I think her involvement in that was, is unclear at this time. And maybe it'll never be clear, cleared up. I don't know, but it's, it's really hard to tell if she was in on it or not based on what we saw on screen. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, I think Leah has to sacrifice herself to save dog. Hmm. That would go a long way to redeem her for if you feel she needs redeeming. Yeah. Okay. That's my, that's my vote. All right. Thanks, Jen. Next, we have a call from Trish. Hey, Chris and Jason. It's Trish in Boston. And God, I really had hoped that it was going to be Connie, the dog found in the woods. I was not in the mood for Leah. Um, and did you notice that when they were in the fire, I'm pretty sure Leah pointed out the metal bar for Daryl to use to get them out of there. It looked a little staged on her end after realizing what happened. Um, and additionally, I'm just not in the mood for all these people doing the same storyline. We go from one bad group to the next. And I wasn't really thinking that Leah was going to turn out to be a bad guy, I guess. And it feels weird and redundant, but at the same breath, I guess as I look around and see all these people that are changing their way of thinking with the pandemic going on around them, I guess we all have it in us to evolve into our more evil side. Anyway, I can see how this show needs to kind of maybe close out soon. So I'm hoping for it to be more exciting soon. I'm just I'm kind of over it, which is too bad because I like listening to you guys. Anyway, take care. Awesome. We will. Thank you, Trish. That kind of sums up more or less everything we've been talking about tonight here, right? Repetitive, uh, unclear motivations. And I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing that the show is in its final season and winding down towards an epic finale. <laughs> Can you wind down towards something epic? I don't know. But I'm, I don't know. You have to be above or more than epic in order to, uh, to relax back to epic. Okay. Well, in that case, we're probably leading up to an epic finale. Ultra epic? Super epic? Mm. Epic epic? <laughs> Double epic, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Okay. So next we have a call. No. We have an email from... Uh, well, were you going to say something? I was, I was, but only I was going to let you say it's John in Boston, Massachusetts first, because in a rather unprecedented move, this is the second email, if you may notice, from John in Boston in this podcast. Uh, he wrote a longer message and I split it into two because they felt like kind of different topics. <laughs> I see. So okay. uh, there you I go. All right. So we this email uh, continues from John in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, in your most recent podcast, Justine from NorCal was dismayed at the bad Daryl episode and complained that she had nothing invested in the character of Leah. I have to agree. I disliked the previous Daryl slash Leah episode and was hoping that we were rid of her. I am not a fan of the actress in this role, who looks more like a model than any uh, than a mercenary during the zombie apocalypse. Where, I wonder, does she get her hair done? Who does her highlights? This is a complaint I've had about other characters this season. Rosita looks fully made up in her recent appearances, as if she's had time to for a spa treatment in between foraging for food. Magda's skin and hair looked amazing. I guess starvation agrees with some characters. 
Pretty, pretty Alden's hair looks perfectly quaffed as he stumbles through the woods, nearly disemboweled. The Walking Dead has always had his share of gorgeous actors, such as Michonne and Maggie and Shane, but their beauty was usually downplayed as it benefits the world they live in. Recently, however, it seems that the hair and makeup people are working overtime to keep the actors looking their best. Maybe they all want great-looking real footage for their future projects as this one comes to a close. Well, first of all, Shane? <laughs> I, well, it's hard. With those earlobes, it's really hard. It's, it is but, really tricky, yeah. It is. But, you know, saying that it's really hard might be a good thing too, right? It's like, anyway. <laughs> I went there. I went there. I did. Yes, you did. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the show. There's the line. There's the line. I crossed it. And you there, went, there it is right there. You went right nice over to it. Know. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So the characters and pretty, pretty Alden, I like too. We should just call him pretty, pretty Alden from now on. That's now his name. Yes. <laughs> well, he's dead, but whatever. Well, he's, he's holed up in that half built church, right? He's not dead yeah, yet. He's, sure. He's dead. You would, you're pretty much disemboweled with pretty hair in a church. You got to die, right? No, that's why he lives because he's pretty, pretty Alden with perfectly coiffed hair. That's how he can survive, man. If he's dying, if Alden is dying on the show, and I hope he's not, but if he is, he definitely gets one more episode where they go back to get him and, he, and you know what's going to happen. He's going to end up nailed to that cross that they focused on as they walked into that church. I just have a bad feeling about that. Uh, that'd be bad. See, what I was thinking was that he'd be, you know, walking around and his bowels would spill out and he would trip on his intestines and fall over and slip. And that would be, uh, then the zombies would get him on that. Well, and it would be like one of those comedic scenes where he tries to get up and then slips again and falls down and keeps trying and just keeps falling. Yeah. I mean, when you're tripping over your own intestines, it's a rough day. It's a rough day. It really is. Because that's got to smell really bad. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Uh, anyways, I was going to say that the show from the beginning has all, you know, people have made their fair share of complaints about people looking too good for the zombie apocalypse. Uh, when my wife watched the show early on, she used to complain about how Andrea's nails were always perfectly manicured, even though she's digging around in the dirt and stabbing zombies and just trying to survive. And here we are. Some things never really change, but uh, I don't know. I think I'm able to just kind of not think about it, sort of, because none of them look like they're really super made up, at least to me. But hey, I don't know. Can you imagine after a day of working on a TV set uh, that you head back to the hotel or head back home and you have to deal with fucking gross nails that are, you know, broken chipped nails that uh, have dirt under them. And, uh, that, that's gotta be frustrating. So I can see that, uh, they would, you know, regardless of how much dirt makeup they have on their face, that their nails are still in pretty good shape because, uh, sure. you know, a person's got to live beyond the, uh, beyond the character. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And I mean, it would just be so gross over time living in a world like this where I guess the only way to wash yourself is take a jump in a lake or something like that. Right. You know, yeah. uh, it, it's gotta be hard. It's gotta be hard. There's ways, there's ways you can, uh, you can rub yourself with dirt, you know, sand, mm -hmm. and, uh, scrub yourself clean that way. Um, what else? Uh, that's pretty much it. You know, find a rabbit, spit <laughs> on it, 
rub it on your back? <laughs> I don't know that that would have ever occurred to me, but why not? Maybe maybe have a dog lick you all over? Well, it would, it's, a it's a joke. Have I ever told you that joke? So a bear is uh, taking a crap in the woods, and he looks over and he sees a rabbit, and he goes to the rabbit, hey, I have a question for you. Do you ever have any problems with uh, poop sticking to your fur? And the rabbit goes, no, not really. So the bear grabs a what rabbit and wipes his ass with him. <laughs> That's a good joke, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's funny. It's sort of funny. I bet your son would like it. Uh, I haven't told it to him, but. He probably would. It involves poop and bears. And rabbits. And rabbits. But we have rabbits around here, so I'm not sure he would appreciate that. All right. Uh, anyways, um, thank you, John, in Boston, for sending that in. Uh, if for nothing else, then renaming Alden Pretty Pretty Alden. Yeah. Okay. One more call here comes from our old friend, Designer Will. Hello, Chris and Jason. This is designer Will from Orange County, California, with some feedback on season 11 as a whole so far. While I was excited for season 11, I've not been super jazzed on the episodes that have aired so far. I recall complaining to my fiance that the show feels like a modern superhero film, which I'm not really a fan of. The caller Ryan, who pointed out that they're shooting on digital now, makes a lot of sense. I wasn't aware of the switch, but I did pick up on the change in visuals. The Walking Dead has historically been filmed on 16 and 35 millimeter film uh, to make it look and feel a certain way. And the move to digital was indeed motivated partially by the pandemic, according to an article I read. Knowing the dynamic range that modern cinema cameras have would explain the high contrast and dark scenes that you see now that aren't really possible to achieve on film. Digital cameras also offer flexibility in frame rate recording which is likely to account for subtle changes and motion blur and things like that. Now, I have an HDR TV and I can vouch that the current episodes are graded for HDR viewing, which means the dark scenes are not so easily watched on SDR devices um, when your TV or whatever doesn't have that true black uh, feature, I guess. Uh, finally, I want to say the changes in cinematography do feel like the director of photography is trying to create a cinematic or dramatic scene uh, more often that is motivated by aesthetics and not motivated by the actual story itself. Now, maybe I'm being a bit nostalgic for the earlier seasons, but so far I have yet to get sucked into season 11. Daryl was a fan favorite for a while. Honestly, I think he's pretty boring these days. One thing I can agree with quite a few callers, though, I find myself enjoying Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Negan character more so than anyone else, I think. Um, well, sorry, a bit long. Feel free to cut it down, but that's where I'm at. I just felt uh, the need to call in and share my two cents since I used to be a pretty regular caller, but in this latest season, really haven't felt terribly compelled to. All right, thanks for the podcast. See you guys later. Thank you so much, Will. First of all, I have no idea if the last time we heard from Will, he was engaged. So he mentioned his fiance in this call. So congratulations, designer yeah. Will, if that is a recent development. Um, and uh, yeah, his point about about watching the episodes on a TV versus some other device like a computer screen or or whatever. I have had 
I don't know if it's the same experience as him, and I don't know if it has to do with my TV, but these episodes look a lot better on my TV than they do when I watch them on this uh, external screen plugged into this iMac that I'm sitting in front of. So, well, that external screen is also from like what 1987. It's not something like it's that. It's not that old. We went over. The, I mean, it's it's not know. brand new. It's it is to be fair, probably five years old. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, half burnt out and probably has ghosting on it already. Eh. Why are you watching the show on that thing? Well, it's, it's, it's a convenient way to watch it. If I'm sitting here at my desk at a computer. Put it on the TV and turn your head 13 degrees and you'll be able to watch it. Well, I do. And I do generally the first time I watch it. It's just when I watch it the second time and I'm making notes on the computer, I usually have it on here. But my point is it doesn't even look as good on my like super high res IMAX screen than it does on my TV. So I, right. I, I think Will was saying that there's something about, he said an HDR TV. I don't know what all this technology means, really. High dynamic range and SDR is standard dynamic range. High dynamic range gives you better visibility into the darks. Okay. You get more dark, you can see more darks and highlights, uh, whereas a typical monitor uh, doesn't have that kind of range in between the the light and the darks so all the a lot of the what normally would be a lot of details in the darkness was ju is just basically a solid wall of black okay so you're saying that my tv probably is hdr and that's why it looks better yes all yeah. right it's able to it's able to render or depict the the differences in the dark the darkness part of the of the episode which these episodes are pretty dark so mm. uh, if you can see better uh, more detail in the darkness, then uh, it'll look a lot better than it would on a crappy screen. All right. Well, fair enough. That must be what it is. But uh, I appreciate, you know, that being pointed out because uh, it definitely looks better on my TV. Um, I'm finding that my own personal uh, dynamic range is uh, is less than it was. Coming out of your eyeballs? Coming out of my <laughs> eyeballs. Like when I'm driving around in the dark, I'm like, yeah, I don't remember the dark the nighttime being as dark as it is now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the whole reason I many years ago first got glasses because I was driving around at night and I realized, you know what? I can't see very well at night. I should probably do something about that before I drive off a cliff or into a tree or something or worse. Yeah. And I, and I've noticed that with Jasper too. I mean, we, when he wakes up in the middle of the night and uh, uh, is walking around in the dark and I'm walking around in the dark, uh, he'll point things out. He's like, watch out for that. <laughs> Whatever it is that, uh, you know, my house that has become somewhat of an obstacle course, uh, you know, he'll point things out that he can see that I, I obviously can't see anymore. Yeah. Because it's fucking dark. He like runs out through the door and you walk right into the wall. <laughs> kind of. Well, I don't know if it's that bad because, you know, I, I have a pretty good idea where the walls are. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, stuff that he has scattered around the house. Ah, yes. Like his chair. And uh, blankets and pillows and forts and various, you know, objects. Uh, he can see them in the dark. <laughs> I can't yeah. anymore well, as much. I guess that happens. We're all getting old, my friend. Yeah, it's starting It's it's starting to weird me out that uh, I'm pretty much the same age as, uh, you know, middle-aged people. And I think that's funny. <laughs> it is weird. Suddenly you're middle-aged. How, how'd that happen? No, I'm not middle-aged. I just happen to be the same age as those middle-aged people. Oh, got it. All right. Fair enough. It's weird. It is weird. All right. Well, thank you so much to everyone who called and wrote in. Overall, the consensus on this episode was pretty negative. Um, most people, it seems, felt that it was 
kind of repetitive and fillery and didn't really do much. Uh, I think there were some things to like, but this was... I think people are anxious for the Commonwealth. They're anxious to learn more about what's going on over there. And I think we're going to get that in the next one, in episode number five. I don't know if we are going to, since we had like a full-on Daryl-only Reapers episode now, if we're going to move on to only a 100% Commonwealth episode this week. I don't know. Um, Lots of people who are listening already do, because it's been out on AMC Plus for (laughs) six days already, and I probably already have four or five emails from people (laughs) about it. Um, But uh, will we be talking about those next week? Uh, we'll have to see. I'll be watching the new episode tomorrow morning, probably. You know what, uh, you know what I've noticed that people really haven't been talking about? And what what I mean by, uh, people is, uh, people on this podcast, you, me, and the listeners, uh, is the horrors of being waterboarded. Uh, it doesn't seem to really be a thing. Uh, I don't know whether it's, uh, it's normal to be waterboarded now. Uh, cause it's, you know, it's in a lot of shows, a lot of shows and movies show people being waterboarded because, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was a, uh, a significant, uh, near, you know, depending on who you ask, whether it's torture or, you know, sort of torture, but, uh, being waterboarded is painful and it's scary and you feel like you're fucking drowning yeah and it's awful. But, uh, you know, now it's just part of storytelling. You know, it, oh, he was being waterboarded, but he didn't talk. What a great guy. Yeah, it is interesting that, that no one really wrote in about it. Um, but here's a question for you. Do you think people know what waterboarding is because it's in movies and TV shows? Or do you think it's in movies and TV shows because people know what it is? That's a little bit of both. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. I think... Yeah, I, I don't know, but you're right. It's, I think it's, you know, it's used in, in pop culture and TV and movies because it, people know exactly what it is. They know why it's used. And uh, if they need a torture scene in something, well, let's make it waterboarding, right? Yeah, because that's, it's pretty standard, right? I guess and, so. uh, but it is painful, right? It's like getting, uh, the difference between getting shot in the chest uh, you know, around up in your shoulder area, let's say upper chest, where it's not a sucking chest wound, but it's just, uh, uh, you know, shooting into your shoulder, let's say that people go, oh, that must've been painful. But then you whack somebody in the knees with a baseball bat. Everybody feels that, mm. uh, they, you know, they feel that very, 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 very much. Whereas with torture, you know, you start pulling somebody's fingernails off, uh, they're going to freak out. And I would freak out and probably rage quit because I have hand issues, hand injury issues specifically. But you waterboard somebody, and it's just like, yeah, I, I don't understand what that pain would be like. So I can just let it go and say, oh, you know, torture. Put that in the category of torture. And he didn't talk. But my understanding is that it's extremely painful. That's an interesting point, though. You're right. People don't know what it's like to be waterboarded, but you can imagine what it's like to have your fingernail ripped off. Because... Yeah. It happens occasionally to people, toenail injury, fingernail injury, whatever, like by accident. And why is it, why, why do people understand what it sort of feels like, oh, sorry, let me make this personal. Why do I understand uh, or seem to understand what it feels like to have uh, testicles hooked up to a car battery? <laughs> well, You know, Jason. that's never happened to me. It's never even been close to ever happened to me, but it still seems pretty relevant to the pain scale in my <laughs> perception. <laughs> I think, uh, 
I think you're just one with your balls. And so you, you I, really- I'm very in tune with my testicles. I yeah, you, I got you. All right. <laughs> you, you it's really, similar to the hand thing, right? I got hand issues. Maybe I have testicle issue, uh, testicle pain issues. I think you might. <laughs> okay. All right then. Because you don't, you don't like if uh, you see a torture scene where they're hooking up somebody's genitals to uh, a car battery. Have I ever uh, seen that? Has that been in a movie? Can you name a movie that has that? Oh, maybe, maybe I just think about it. I don't know. I'm sure it's happened. Oh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't James Bond get whipped in the crotch once? In oh, that one was of the... with a monkey fist. That was, uh, yeah, he, they cut out the seat of a chair, of a uh-huh. wicker chair. Uh-huh. And uh, a monkey fist is a knot on the end of a rope. Uh, it's like a big knob. Uh-huh. And he, and the uh, chief whacked him in the testes with it. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that looked painful. It sure did. Uh, so Le Chief? Yeah, and Le, Le, yeah, Le Chief. That was the bad guy. The Le guy with Chief the bleeding eye? whacked Bond's knob with his monkey, monkey fist. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. I barely could even say that sentence. <laughs> like, it took <laughs> well, too, maybe, took maybe too this much is brain telling. power to get it out. <laughs> maybe this is telling because I know everything about that scene. Every single, single thing about that scene, including the name of the knot, uh, <laughs> I'm aware of what exactly happened there. <laughs> okay. Well, I think you might think about ball torture too much. Anyways. Uh, yeah, maybe. Try, try not to. Think about little yeah. fluffy kittens and happy bunnies. You'll be better <sighs> off. I think I want to get a kitten. After that talk uh, earlier this week about a box of kittens, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I, I really want to get a kitten. Okay. It's been well, a long time. Do it. Get, get another cat. Uh, all right. Well... That's a crazy place to end on, but uh, we're done for the day. All Thank right. you, everyone. Just walk away. Next step, yeah, walk away. The next episode of The Walking Dead comes on AMC this Sunday night. It is called Out of the Ashes, and it is directed by Greg Nicotero. Oh yeah. So it's the first first season eleven episode directed by Greg. Uh, if anyone's unaware, he's the head like visual effects uh, supervisor or guru on the guru. show and a producer. A guru, that's right. He's been involved since day one. Um, you know, great dude, does amazing work and directs a lot of episodes. So he's directing this one. It's out of the ashes. And I would like to get some title reads from people. So if you want to record yourself speaking the title, please do and send it in. I, I was thinking about this title, Out of the Ashes. And what do you think? This one, if it is indeed about the Commonwealth, which I believe it is, I think Out of the Ashes will refer to the fact that the Commonwealth, this large, successful society, has risen out of the ashes of the apocalypse. Well, yeah, it's a very much a uh, phoenix rising metaphor, right? So nothing uh, nothing too revelatory there, eh? No, not really. Sorry, Chris. That's okay. That's fine. I mean, I did just think about it for about three seconds. Uh, well, what else comes out today? of the ashes, right? It's a bunch of ashes. Yeah. Nothing, nothing comes out of there. Nope. Except for the Commonwealth. Yeah. Out of the frying pan means that it's going to get worse. Into the fire. Out of the ashes means that you've, uh, you're reborn. Reborn. That's right. Okay. Well, that's next week on The Walking Dead. Send in your title reads if you can. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, best way to do that is go to talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top of the page where you can record a message and send it to us and uh, send all your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at talking dead. Thanks everyone for tuning in. 
Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. I love you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks.